Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to the WCBC Podcast. My name is Hunter. My name's Al. I'm Josh. And here we are, and uh, man, we're we're just excited. You know, I feel like sometimes, like if a 100-meter relay, you know how they hand the baton off? I feel like sometimes uh, I'm like the first man, just like super tired, but then when you hand off that baton to the second person, it's like a new wind comes in, the, and it just... And I feel like that's what's going on right now for this year because you kind of go through the beginning of the year trying to, you know, everybody's got their new res- resolutions, all this stuff. But here we are, and it's like the year's almost halfway over. Yes. This is crazy. July starts literally like Thursday. And uh, then August, September, and the next thing we know will be Christmas. Yeah, don't blink. I mean, yeah. it, it's crazy how fast time can go by. When you get to 50. Mm. You know what, Alan? Next year I'll be halfway there officially. Yeah, right. So, um, Man, and with that being said, you know, I know time goes by, but um, we received some encouraging news today. Uh, Grant, if you guys remember, he's our sound guy. and uh, Say what up, Grant? What's good? He's slowly, like, becoming our producer, so that's kind of exciting for him. Um, but Grant, his brother, which he's not so little, he's, he's a big boy now. He's giant. Uh, they've been praying for him for months now. Our church, their church, a lot of other people. And Caleb was saved this morning, put his faith in Christ at the church he goes to awesome and uh i mean that's just encouraging you know and that's what it's all about i mean when we, yeah when we talk about evangelism we talk about the shepherding and other things the the goal is to see lives changed and to see uh people's uh you know hope and faith placed in christ and you know we, we live our life with that anticipation you know someday you know spend eternity with god but while we're here while we're working, while we're, you know, uh, on this earth, we have a responsibility. We heard about, yeah. you know, I preached today in, uh, from our pastor. We've got a responsibility. And we, you know, things that we do and things that we uh, say and all the, the, the things like this podcast, our, our goal and foundation and, and all the work that we do is to hopefully see those young ones come to faith in Christ. Yeah. And when, when we see it, it's just another promise yeah. kept and kept. And kept by god that he's made and it's kind of like i mean it's just evident because when you have a pastor i mean you you don't per se poor say you don't have an evangelist you have a pastor so a lot of times when a pastor stands a lot of the things that he'll preach on and focus on is for the discipleship and the edification of the congregation but within that message obviously what's going to be proclaimed christ the gospel. Now, I mean, really, it's like a, you know, I, I got asked a question once, just because I'm still new to a lot of this uh, ministering and being over people, and especially because you know my first area was teenagers, and I, I love teenagers. But you know, I, I, the first thing that happened was, you know, our pastor was like, "So who do we preach to? The lost or the the congregation?" And I was like, "This is a test. <laughs> there's a there's a there's a parable coming out soon, you know." Wait a minute, I'm on to you. <laughs> but uh, in in a short answer, uh, I mean both, because a pastor stands to disciple his congregation, but he also has the thought in his head, there are lost people here. Right. There are religious people here. Man, let's try to teach everybody the Word of God and pray that the Christian will learn and the lost person can be redeemed. I mean, that's just straight. That's a that's a good simple answer. But what I love about you know this news about you know Grant's brother is man, it just shows us. That, you know, a lot of times we all might be in a place, like some people in Scripture, you know, kind of like, God, where are you? And, I mean, our pastor, he talked this morning about a time in his life where God gave him peace about when people don't respond to the message. And you might be listening to this and you're like, what do you mean respond? Well, some churches do a uh, a time of 
reflection. You know, maybe they sing another worship song. Some people have an open altar, uh, or some people have uh, counseling rooms or rooms you go. I mean, however you do it. But when he talks about responding, he's talking about people that hear the word of God and respond. I mean, it's like in Acts chapter 2, Peter stands up and about 3,000 or more people respond. And so he talked about that there was a time in his life where he struggled with that. Because, I mean, think about this. If you have uh, 52 weeks in a year, right? I mean, you're every week you're preaching the gospel at least four times in most places as a pastor. And so to think to put in the countless hours of preaching, but before even the preaching, you're putting countless hours in of studying, praying, fasting, whatever it takes that you know God would be glorified and people would be saved. And you keep standing and like, you preach hard ter- sermons, right? You see the Spirit of God move, and no one responds. And so he talked about how that can be encouraging to young men, but what God teaches those men is that it's not up to them who responds and who does it. They preach the gospel and sit down. So a lot of times I feel like people can get to that point, but the beautiful thing is, you know, here's a sister church of ours down the road that, you know, we're still involved in, and we still know people there, and we love them to death. Their pastor used to go here. And to be able to praise God with them in something that happened at a different location but was a part of the same body of Christ, it's very encouraging. And so whether it's here, whether it's someone else or another state, it's always encouraging to hear about people coming to faith. Why? Because we're all on the same mission. That's right. We're all with this, here with the same intention. And, you know, I'm just so excited because during this time in history— it could be an easy time to become discouraged. It, be, it could become an easy time to get misled, be distracted, whatever word you want to put in there. But what I'm sensing is that there, this is a time of a revival for a lot of places and a lot of people. And you might say, oh, you mean like preaching and stuff? No, I'm talking about in their own personal lives. Because I don't know about you guys, and I pray I can say this 10 years from now too. I feel closer to the Lord than I ever have my whole life. Why? Because from COVID till now, dude, God has like w- revealed things to me, taught me things through His Word, uh, you know, all, all these things that He's taught me and showed me and convicted me of. And that's what I mean. It's like we could sit around this table and talk about how God is continuously every day of our lives working on us, which is an evident of a fruit, right? The, the tree bears fruit. And what I love is when you look at that, that's the evidence that you belong to the king. And that's a re- that's revival taking in. Because, you know, in order for a congregation to experience 200 people experiencing a spirit-led revival, the Bible says it clearly, and our pastor said, it's got to start at the house. It's got to start with the people. And what I love is being able to celebrate that a sister church is flourishing right now because God is touching hearts, saving souls. And uh, I, I just, you know, and you guys have, you're older than me and you've been, you've been through more experiences than I have. And I'd love to hear you speak into this a little bit. I mean, how awesome is it to continuously each year see God be, uh, like you said, keep his covenant, keep his prompt, be faithful and, and keep up and be consistent with what he does. So it, here's what, I, here's what I'm learning. And uh, I'll, I'll let Josh go. I won't take up much time, but the, the more I live, the more days that we are able to experience and uh you take one year 365 days right how many of those 365 days do you specifically recall anything amazing going on and when we talk about the ones that really stand out in my mind typically it's got something to do with the god in church those it's are true those, those are things that are really, true so and, and again i heard a, a, a pastor say uh he used the scripture 
uh, one day is better than a thousand. So when you think about the time that we spend here on earth, and just, time just flies by and things just go in a blur, and it's like you never even experienced part of them because you can't recall them, or I can't. I don't know if everybody's like me or not. There's, there's, there's portions of my life I was like, I don't even remember it. You know what I'm saying? But when we stop and think about the goodness of God, and those days that really just absolutely stand out. My, my, my salvation experience is one of those things that I, I remember vividly. And, and things like that. When we finally do step into eternity, all those things that he allows us to experience on earth, just little bits, little, little tastes, and little things that help increase our faith. And it amazes me how great God is when it comes to educating Somebody like myself, he knows how hard-headed I am. He knows that, uh, okay, if you if you read this in my word and and believed it, that, that would be good. But I know how thick your skull is, so you're going to have to experience some things. And then remember, oh, yeah, I remember my pastor teaching on that. I remember yeah. my Sunday school teacher talking about that. And once you come through those things and you look back, it's like, man alive, how real God is and how much that then increases my faith and then increases overall in the things and the promises that I've uh, yet to experience man I can I can I can tell you uh, things that uh, he's promised in his word uh, by his history of goodness in my life it just enables me to uh, anchor my faith in that and believe it wholeheartedly yeah well, that's the one that, so with it for me like you made a point that you know saying about how being hard-headed but with my thing is is that no most of the time that I find myself most apart is because of an issue self-reliant pridefulness or some place of where I can figure this out myself and when when I truly get to see and in, in through the word of God is you read the stories you see it scripture supporting scripture backing itself up making it evident promises in the old testament coming to fruition in in the new testament and then the promises that, you know, that when I wake up in the morning, it's not a matter about me. It's a matter about his yeah. son. Yep. You know, it's a matter about Jesus Christ. And I mean, so many times in the past, especially when I was, well, definitely before my salvation, but when I was a new believer, it would be wake up and it's, I have this, I have that. Yeah. You really get to know God's grace and his mercy when you wake up and you say, Lord, thank you. Thank yeah, you for this day. I don't know what lies ahead, but you do. Yep. And I'm going to give you thanks right now for it, Lord, because it ultimately is his and it is. And it's a covenant. And I mean, it's a love story starting in the very beginning, going all the way through. It's a love story yeah. about God's love for us. And I mean, the, whenever I sit there and dwell about like who I am apart from God. Yeah. That's well, what great love, you know, yeah. there is none. Yeah. There is none. Yeah. And that's, that's where I find my comfort and peace is knowing that, you know, like I said, this book is nothing but a great love story yep. written to each and every one of us. And I mean, like I said, I mean, you, you read it, one of my favorite things to read about is in the, in the old Testament is Israel, you know, and it's just so many times. And I, and I, and I will say this and I'm, you know, so many times I'll almost read it from a state of pride. Like, you know, how could Israel do this? And it don't take me long. You know, that, that big old mirror gets stuck yeah, up and it's like. Lot, not a lot different than me and them. <laughs> absolutely not. That's what I'm saying. It's yep. just, it's, it's yeah. me. My situation is different and everything else. But I mean, I'm acting just as Israel yeah. acted. Doubting, you know, when, when I know what the ways should go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
And, you know, when we talk about the scriptures and we talk about how God's been consistent and faithful all through time, you know, I know that there's people in this world that get to the point where like, how is this real? Like, how do you guys do this? I mean, think if you read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, I mean, there's a lot in there, you know, a man got swallowed by a fish and lived, you know. There's a lot of things in there, but it's that key component. And, you know, I I come from a place of, um, I guess you'd say realism. Like, I like reality. You know, I want it to be real. I want to be able to see it. I'm a a big, you know, if my mind can't fathom it, I need to see some real evidence of it. But also, I'm a questioner. And so those two things are great in life, but also those two things can be damaging if you're not controlling of those and you don't know how to use them at the right time. And so my faith has been hurt by such attitudes. But I'll say this, even in times like that, I've learned that if you don't have faith, you're never going to have anything. Because the Bible says without faith, we can't please God. And it's like, you know, I'm the first one. If someone's like, you not think there's big things in the Bible? And they're like huge. And some of them sound crazy. Yeah. I mean, when you go through a fish swallowing, that's, that's unheard of. But here's the thing. If my Bible says that the Word of God is inspired by God, given by the inspiration of God, then I believe a fish swallowed a man. As much as I think about it, and sometimes I look at science, and I look at all these things, I'm like, man, how in the world? Like, what part of the fish did he stop at? Like, where did he exist before he was digested in the acid? You know what I'm saying? And I'll go through all that, but it's kind of like, you know, our God's bigger than that. And if the Bible says he designed a specific fish then I'm never going to be able to figure it out, but that's fine because I believe it. And that's where you have to understand that as Christians, as time goes on, right, when we see God show up after time, after I was thinking about that song today, he's an on-time God. Yes, he is. So when he keeps being on time, he keeps showing up. He keeps being faithful, consistent, and showing his promises and saving souls and answering prayers. Man, that makes your faith grow. Because if, if your faith's not growing, you're going to be in a bad spot. So if you're not willing to get uncomfortable, if you're not willing to get in the Word of God, if you're not willing uh, to let the Holy Spirit guide you, teach you, man, you're just going to be a knot on a log for a while. And that's a hard place to be. I've been there. And it's not fun because we have to understand that, man, when the Bible says the carnal mind cannot understand the things of God, that's 100% true. Lost people cannot understand the things of God. But here's the thing. As a saved man, do I understand everything? No, the Bible also says that Paul said it's like looking through a glass darkly, right? You remember when Paul said, I knew a man that went into the third heaven, and he talks about those things, and he says, and these things that I can't speak of, he couldn't even get words to describe what he experienced. You remember when Job started questioning God, and God responded, he's like, where were you when I did this? Job's response was repentance and silence. Yep. Because God's ways are always going to be higher than ours. God is so, that's why I want to go back to the statement that I made earlier, that God is so, he's so good at knowing what tactics to use with each of us and and knowing how to bring us along, push us right up to that edge and pull us back into a a loving embrace and let us know that there's always security and dependability in him. He's always credible. He's always faithful. He's always just. And all those attributes that describe God always have been, they always are, and they always will be. be. Yes. <laughs> there's no, there's no change. There's no, right. there's no variance in Him. And when you talked about being a, a person that is a, a realist, uh, I can also uh, say that I was the exact same way. You had to have that 
confirmation and you know what just i guess it was just the, the upbringing that i was before i you know what i'm not i'm not i'm not a sucker you know what i'm saying i don't i, I want to know and was hurt a lot and, and went through things but now can guarantee you that god allowed me to go through those things so that i can look back on them and say you know what it's the grace of God that I'm here right now. Yeah. Right. The grace of God that I'm That we drawing, wake up the next drawing, morning. That I'm drawing my next breath. Yeah. It's, it's a blessing from Him. And you know, the crazy thing is, is like you also said, Alan, you know, God knows exactly what to do for each person. And it's like, you know, we got a guy who comes to the fellowship here, and I shout out to him, you know, Terry Phelps. Love that guy to death. Funniest man I know. And, you know, recently his grandpa passed away. And we've talked about it and this morning. He came up to me and he's like, hey, you know, uh, you know how a few weeks ago we talked about angels entertaining uh, angelic beings unaware? And I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. He said, well, he said, you know, when my grandpa passed away, remind you, he's been so strong through this. I mean, it, it wows me, right? So Terry's in a point where, you know, he's going through his own life. His grandpa, who's been there for him, has passed away. And Terry said, you know what my grandpa said to my grandmother? And I was like, yeah. And Terry said, I didn't believe it at first, but he said the last things my grandpa said to my grandmother. He said her name. And he said, I want you to know that I love you. And I'm so thankful for you. But I want you to know the Lord's coming to get me. And then he died. And Terry said, hey, whatever that was. Mm -hmm. He said, that was God. And I was sitting there in the parking lot dumbfounded because... People don't understand that God can take anyone, any person, send them your way to tell you something, and then the next thing you know, you're dumbfounded because you're like, wow, this has just taught me something, Lord. For our our listeners who don't know Terry, there's there's one thing you need to know. His grandfather basically raised him, and uh, he was uh, one of our bus ministry uh, kids that has been raised in this church, and uh, I've noticed here as terry matures and he's got kids of his own now and he's one of those that would try your patience i mean he'd bark your shins and and then laugh about it he's barked <laughs> mine before <laughs> but when you see terry get into position you see the spiritual development and the fact that man he's, he's got it and you can tell that that spirit's bearing witness and he he reveals something to you uh i had a similar conversation with him sunday school i said just went over and sat down beside him and i heard grandfather passed and he's like yeah i said but uh, you know there's one thing about it uh I watched him suffer saw him you know go through you know all the stages of cancer and, and all the treatment and all the anguish that he went through and he said i realized there's certain things that are worse than death hmm. you want to talk about knocking my hat in the creek i'm talking about that set me back to the point where i was like boy you're right Terry. for those of us who have our hope and our faith yes. anchored in Jesus Christ, that's not, that's not, you know, it's not the worst thing that could happen to no. us. Uh, you know, suffering and, and pain and, and sorrow and people trying to hold on to you and keep you here. And yeah. I guarantee you, Terry, Terry said the same thing. I wouldn't want him to come back. Right. And he said, I don't want to sound morbid or like I'm wanting rid of him, but he's, he's far better off. So, uh, I, I'm, I, that encourages me. Yeah. It encourages me. And that just goes along, you know, with God's very consistent. God is very faithful. Um, you know, Scripture even teaches, you know, He will never leave us. You know, He'll never forsake us. It's a verse we talk about a lot. Um, but He is faithful and just in everything that He has promised. You know, it's like 
our pastor mentioned it this morning, but also we talked about in our Sunday school class that you know God don't does not lie. He is he is not a liar. He will not contradict himself. And what I love is that's true. Yep. That's one of the things God won't do. Right? right. A lot of people talk about God's powerful. God's this. God's this. And it's like our Sunday school teacher, well, a small group leader, Tammy. She said that they went to World Changers one year, and a guy got up, and his sermon title was "One Thing God Cannot Do." And she was like, "Whoa, God can do everything." And he preached on how God can't lie. And if he can't lie, then what his word says is true. She said it blew her mind. And that's just, that's true. Through this example, with how God has taken care of Terry, his grandfather, and the things that we've shared in here. I mean, God is faithful. God is consistent. And he's there for us. And here's the beautiful thing. Even when we're not supposed to be where we need to be, he's still there. Yep. And, and I love that because here's the thing. I don't know about you all, but when people give up or quit on me, I'm like, let them go. Let them, uh, let them go to the wayside. You know what I'm saying? But man, uh, God knows our minds and our hearts every second of the day. And if he, if that's true, which it is, the word talks about it. Um, we can learn that through David. Yeah. That God searches the minds and the hearts. We can learn through it about a lot of things. If that is the consensus that God has revealed to us, think about how many thoughts or actions you've done that have been against him. And yep. yet he doesn't leave. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Uncon- that's that's power. Uncon- unconditional. Unconditional. And, and that's just powerful. And, you know, one thing I love, too, is, you know, God does work. And, you know, Jesus Christ is the ultimate pastor, ultimate shepherd of the body of Christ, of the church, everything. Um, but what I also love, too, is that within this realm of time where God is consistent and faithful, he puts men in positions where they can shepherd us. And that's what we're talking about today. I kind of want to transition into that. And so when we look at, uh, as we continue spiritual gifts, we're going to talk about one today that uh, I'm pretty excited about because uh, there's reality, but there's also uh, real reality when it comes to what this is, but what it's not. And so when you get in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11, says he gave some apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, but look here, some as pastors and teachers, right? So pastors, uh, other versions of the Bible refer to it as shepherds. Now, before we even start, I'd like to define this so we can all kind of find our common ground. And it says this, a herdsman, right? Especially a shepherd. So I've got two like side d- definitions with this. So look, in the parable, he, he who is to care and control others who have committed themselves and whose precepts they follow. So that's just talking about uh, that there are people, right, that will uh, commit themselves. They'll trust someone with their cares. Uh, they'll admit that he is kind of in control in a sense and that that is the shepherd. That is the one that they're going to follow. So that's a good example. And then the second one would be a manager, overseer of the Christian assemblies. And so when we look at this spiritual gift, obviously this is going to be one of those that it is a spiritual gift that usually is going to f- come with a calling, mm-hmm. right? Yep. A, uh, a divine calling where God calls someone into pos- a position. And I think the most popular one we'll probably talk about today would be the office uh, of a pastor. A uh, bishop is First Timothy, Second, you know, when you get into Titus even, that it talks about the pastor, the bishop. Um, and, and this is a great calling, but this is a awesome spiritual gift. Um, and I'd kind of like to start with this with literally like shepherd, like sheep. I mean, the, the term sheep is used throughout Scripture a lot. We've got the parable of the 99, right? One leaves. Um, 
One of my favorites is the, a great picture is when we see young David as a shepherd, right? I think it's he fights off a lion, a bear, right? Those who are coming to hurt his his flock. So, I mean, let's let's kind of break this down and talk about the the basic image of a shepherd and sheep. Okay, so you got your shepherd who has a specific flock that has been given to him. Um, so, you know, let's say a family member gave it to anybody, right? And so let's say he's got, let's start with 10 sheep, right? So you have a specific shepherd that's given a specific flock of 10 sheep. Now, here's the thing. Sheep are the same kind. Sheep are the same breed, but everyone can be different, right? There can be similarities. There can be differences. You might have one that loves on you all the time. You might have one that doesn't love on you all the time. So there's a lot of different qualities that might come in each of these sheep. So one thing that the shepherd's going to have to do is he's going to have to learn them by name. He's going to have to learn how to identify them. He's going to have to know their patterns, right? But here's the other thing. He's going to have to feed them. He's going to have to water them. And he's going to have to help provide safe passage from one place or another. And then a lot of times if a sheep were to run away, right, he's going to be the one that'll be put in a position to go out and try to find that sheep and try to bring it back. They might lose it, right? It might go somewhere else. Other things can take place. Or... Something might come in, right, that's going to try to harm the flock. And just as young David did, that shepherd might have to kind of get in the way and, uh, in a sense, maybe be willing to give his life or defend those sheep at whatever cost. Now, this is a pretty basic image of what a shepherd is, but now, I mean, put that into the church. Yeah. I, I mean, come on. You've got a shepherd that has been led by the head pastor himself, the head of the body of Christ, Jesus Christ, to a specific flock with specific people, whether it's 10 or 1,000. And they are called to take care of that flock no matter what. The daily bread, right? The daily water. Uh, when things get hard, right? You know, sheep can get injured. Let's say someone's feelings get hurt. Let's say someone goes through divorce. Let's say, so this shepherd needs to be at a point that he can use his gift, right? We've talked about the definitions, right? To care, control, and lead this flock to what? To spiritual truth and uh, to whatever God's leading them to do. Yeah, and when you talk about the shepherd, uh, and the pastor. Uh, I think all pastors are called to be shepherds. I think not all shepherds are called to be pastors. Ooh. So when we when we look at the gift of shepherding, it's the ability to uh, look out for, to protect, to li- to lead, and, and to nurture. And a lot of times, I think that our pastor, who is, uh, I'm, I'm thank God for him, and I'm, I'm glad he's here, and when God uses him, he uses him for the protection of the body. And sometimes I think that as we sometimes try to break that down into smaller groups of uh, maybe, uh, the, the, like the deacons have uh, uh, lists of people like a, in their own immediate uh, uh, area of influence or somebody in their neighborhood. And I personally have got, you know, my mom, my mother-in-law, and aunt, all are widowed, and I, we kind of take those in as our group to kind of shepherd over mm-hmm. uh, not god's never called me to pastor or to preach but i think there's a responsibility to be a overseer or a caretaker of those who need and uh, uh she- shepherding i think is uh something that's uh, really a, a a huge need in a local body because if it's operating right if it's operating efficiently uh you have people who are willing 
to open themselves up, be vulnerable. And it, it, it incorporates a lot of other gifts like hospitality and exhortation and things like that that you, you use to establish relationships with people so that you can get in there and and be vulnerable to actually know what their needs are. You know what I'm saying? Because if, if you've got the walls up and you're like, oh, there's brother so-and-so, and yeah. you're not going to open up to those people but, uh, to, to know if there's a financial need, that's that's a big one right there. To know if if, if somebody's up again, you're not going to tell just anybody that. You know, you have to have that relationship with folks to where you know that it's okay. It's yeah. it's, it's a judgment free, safe zone. Yeah. And how do you do that? There's work involved in going into establishing that type of relationship yeah. with a person that says, "Hey, you know what? I'm here for you. You need a yard mode. Do you need do you need some you know uh, things." done that you're not able to do and and being able to be there for people to make sure that their needs are met not only their physical needs but also their spiritual needs because uh in the end that's the that's the whole goal yeah uh, the, the physical needs are they're one thing but we also want to make sure that the spiritual needs are met too like yeah. the, the development the sanctification and the, the understanding what your spiritual gifts are yeah kind of yeah. like what we're doing right now and, and getting them plugged in and getting them active in a church yeah and as a shepherd, he would also have to know the whole state of his flock, too. Yeah. You know, like yeah. you said, with the spiritual needs, you know. So if a shepherd comes along, you know, and the church is lacking in understanding of just, you know, core beliefs or, you know, core statements of the Word of God, you know, you can't get deep into too deep into theology with your... Exactly. So you have to know the state of the flock. Yep. You have to know what they're each individually going through, but yeah. as, a, as a collective whole as well what is happening with them. Yeah. And I'll, I'll say this too, like standing in a pulpit and yelling and preaching at a congregation does not mean you're qualified as a pastor right? because a pastor performs on and off the field. Yeah. I know that's a sports term, but they're in the pulpit, putting in the work, doing everything God's leading them to do through scripture. But once they come out of the pulpit, they're still pastoring. I mean, most of the pastoring and shepherding that they're going to do is not even in the church building. It's going to be outside exactly. of the church building. Exactly. It's going to be a part. It's going to be with people that you know you they don't see. You don't know on a regular basis. You don't see on a regular basis. I mean, he said at one point he's got a lot of people that call him pastor that don't go to this assembly, right? Correct. And but here's the thing: what I love about this too is when you have a shepherd pastor per se. Uh, you know, it, it is all about leading the congregation or the flock of sheep. But if the shepherd does not meet the qualifications, if the shepherd is not in, in the position he's supposed to be, then he is not going to be an effective shepherd. He's not going to be an effective leader. And I say that by this, right? When you get into the parable, right, and you get into John 10, it talks about the difference between a shepherd, and it talks about the difference between the, the hired hand. Hey, and you got ahead of me there because I was like, "Of course, that." So when you start talking about this, we have to understand that as a shepherd, there are some things, right? If someone truly has that spiritual gift, and behind that or before that is the calling to absolutely shepherd a group of people, then there's going to be some things that are evident, and there's so, got to be a connection there. Yes, there's got to be a commitment there. Well, there's got to be some desire because yeah. in, in Timothy and Titus, it talks about some yeah. characteristics that that man, that person should meet when they are wanting to become a shepherd. I mean, let's talk about some of them. So like hospitable. We talked about hospitality last week or the week before that. They've got to be able to welcome people in and not be afraid to talk to people they don't know. Here's another one. Not having fits of rage. 
Mm, that's a good one, right? Mm-hmm. So they don't need to be at a point where they're wanting to fight and be angry at everyone and everything that's going on, right? They need to be sober, right? They need to stay away from wine and from all that drink, right? And we can go through First Timothy, husband of one wife, uh, not a lover of money. I mean, there's tons of them. I went and studied these out a few weeks ago, and it's just crazy, right? But it's not that it's crazy. It's that is that when God calls someone to such a position, right? This shepherd needs to produce and show these characteristics and these qualities. Why? So that way he can be a shepherd, right, that lines up with the Word of God. Because I don't know about you all, but if you had a flock of sheep and you try to just throw anybody in there, they're not going to know what they're doing. It's like a video I watched a few weeks ago or a couple months ago, right? It's this guy, he's in like a whole other country and he's a full-time shepherd, right? And all these people, they come and look at it and visit on the stuff. Well, he tries to get them to yell, right? And so they yell, they don't recognize his the their voice, right? But he's the one that's like, okay, watch this. And he hollers at him and they come over. Now, obviously, that was a great image of my sheep will know my voice. Ultimately, when Jesus speaks to believers, right, they're going to hear. They're yep. going to know. Yep. But I bring that up to say this. That shepherd knew exactly who and what was about to happen because that was his flock. And so when you put a guy in that just doesn't know what he's doing, he's not going to be able to know how to feed him. Water them, right? How, how do you keep them all together? Here's the thing. When one of them goes through a hard time, right? You said sp- spiritually or whatever, right? If it's running away or if it's having a broken leg, if you don't know how to take care of or handle it right, you're going to ruin that person, right? Or here's the point. It, or here's another point. If you even care that they're leaving, right? You Anybody, right, cannot just do this. And so I bring that up to say this. We live in a day and an age where I feel like there's a lot of false pastors, a lot of false shepherds, Profes- guys, professional pastors. Yes, who get up in the pulpit and they're worrying about the image that they're trying to create in a United States of America. Now, what other state, whatever, right? They're trying to make an impact globally in the states and their own wherever, their own county, but the impact is not to affect the sheep. The impact is to affect themselves. Correct. And so when you have a false shepherd in place, here's the thing he does not care. For the, sh- the flock. He does not try to do the right things for the flock. He's doing everything for himself. So here's a name I'll throw up. Stephen Furtick, right? So Stephen Furtick's this guy that, I mean, I know people in that go to this church, friends on Facebook, that still listen to Stephen Furtick. And please, will you go listen to what he says and see if it's biblical because biblical, it's not. A few weeks ago, the man stood on stage and said the phrase, I am God Almighty. Anybody who claims that is obviously a heretic and preaching blasphemy no he's not he's not he's not god almighty (laughs) (laughs) and so here's what i'm saying is like there have been people in this church that complain that as a pastor he is not stepping up to the plate like a shepherd should be but instead of him handling the situations you know what he does he lets them leave or he doesn't take care of it or he excommunicates them for no reason why because he's worried about himself And that's what I'm saying. When you look he's a at businessman. he is, he's, 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 he's a, a professional. Man. He's a professional he's preacher. Building a brand, so yep. name. That's so it. that opens the whole area of all these false guys. Is that it's a business. You're a CEO. Correct. You're a boss of a business. You're not a shepherd. Right. And I, and it's crazy because here's the thing: what they do off stage is they run it like a market, like a business. Right. We know that if we sell all this, do this, make this appearance. It's going to grow the church and make us look better, right? If I write this book and sell it at this time, I'll make more profit, right? Look at my watch. Look at my... It's a business. What's the difference between them and a man on Wall Street that makes a lot of money? 
what a few life changes, yeah. but nothing, right? Yeah. And so uh, here's the thing: when you have someone who runs it like a business, that means that the people, the employees, right, the flock, they're casualties. It don't matter, right? Because the business keeps going, the building keeps going. Right. But what I love is when they get on stage, right? They preach some message that makes you feel good and it sounds good, but even that's hurting you just as much as he's hurting you off stage. And you're like, Hunter, how do you know this? Listen. You can go on YouTube just as easy as I can, and you can look at people who have been in positions for his church. You can look at people who have been in his congregation. You can hear about the interviews, the videos, you know, people referring to him as the mighty one and all of these things. It, it doesn't take much but a couple Googles to figure out that this guy's a joker. And you're like, Hunter, you're really hating on him. No, I'm not hating on him. I love him to death, right? Uh, I think, you know, God loves him as much as God loves me. But the reason that I'm so stern about this is because people need to open their eyes and take a closer look at what they're watching and what they're listening to and realizing just because someone makes you feel good about yourself does not mean that they care about you. That's exactly And right. so right. that's why I think this is so important when we look at this in Ephesians 4.11 because here's the thing. Spiritual gifts are given as God sees fit, right? It says the Spirit gives out as so as He wants, right? True, 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 true. So here's the thing. It has to be a God-given calling, for you to truly, 100% effectively, stand in that position and be used for the glory of God. Because if you're not called, it's not for the glory of God, right? I mean, Paul said it the best, right? Nevertheless, Paul is preached, whether it's contention or truth. That's true, right? Jesus is going to be proclaimed. But here's the thing. You want to see a true shepherd? Here's the thing. You want to see a true shepherd? Go to the rural church in your community where there's 20 people and a guy's been there for 50 years. Right. No matter what's happened to that facility, he's been faithful, he's loved, he's cared, he's preached revivals, he's helped people, right? He's given his own cars, he's given his own money, right? To what? To take care of a flock of people. Now, here's the thing. I don't see Stephen Furtick doing that. And you're like, Hunter, well, you're creating like a, a false persona. No, I, I'm really not. I'm just looking at what a shepherd is and what a pastor is according to the word of God. And then here's the thing. If we were to take all the requirements for this shepherd or all the requirements for this pastor and we were to make a test out of it and compare each man to it, what do we do with someone who doesn't pass? Now, here's the thing. You might be saying, well, Hunter, no one's perfect. You're right. I bet you can go through the list of qualifications for pastors, and somebody's going to struggle with one. Someone's going to fail, right? Because nobody's perfect. But here's the thing. What about the people that don't even regard the Word of God as the qualifications? I can take you to churches right now that I've uh, talked to about First Timothy and Titus, and I'll bring that stuff up, and they don't care. They don't care. Why? Because God's bigger than that, Hunter. You're, you're really trying to limit God. The Holy Spirit's leading this person, Hunter. Don't. But here's the thing. Is God going to operate outside of His Word? So why did He give the requirements? Exactly. And, and, and why is the, the if you look at, and again, our pastor does a really good job of taking a text or a point or a concept and using the entire Word of God to back up the definition or the meaning or the, the context of that. Shepherd, the main objective for the shepherd is the well-being of the sheep. Right. Bottom line. So if you take somebody who's in a position and the main objective is financial benefit or self-esteem or prestige or social status, mark them off as a false prophet. You might as well write them off because right. they're not a scriptural shepherd. If they look like a cult, there's a chance they're a cult. I'm just saying that yep. too because 
a lot of times what some guys will do is they'll get into a position and then they try to isolate their flock from the rest of the world. Why? Because once you do that, you can teach them anything, yeah. right? If they don't have their Bibles and they're all 20-year-olds, you can tell them that the sky's falling and they'll believe you, right? But that's what men do is they isolate certain age groups, certain genders, certain, certain demographics, right? That's why a lot of these uh, Word of Faith evangelists go over into third world countries. Why? Because they go to the place where people are the most desperate and make money off of them. And that's a sad thing, but I just, when I was talking to Josh earlier today about this, is man, there are so many things that this gift, the spiritual gift, says. There are so many things that comes with it, right? It's not something likely. I mean, when you look at the other ones that are mentioned in this, right? Uh, you know, you got your apostles, right? We've talked about that. All of them are dead, right? No more apostles. They died. They did their job. Then you look at uh, prophets, right? The preachers. There's those that are preachers. They're those that are going to proclaim the things of God to the world. Uh, evangelists, right? They're going to be the ones who go out and try to share the gospel with every single person they can in whatever way or shape or form. Then you get into 11. Pastors, right? These guys are the ones that are staying at home while everyone else is going out. To do what? To make sure that the flock is being treated. And here's the thing. Uh, a shepherd, I pray, would make you feel good, in a sense. He would encourage you. But here's the thing. I've also seen they carry staffs for a purpose. Right. When a sheep gets a little crazy, they whack, that thing in the, they whack that thing in the side of the head. And I'm not saying that your pastor should carry a stick and hit you, but he's going to share the truth with you even when it hurts. Yep. And I'll say this. He does that out of love. He doesn't do that to hurt you or push you away. He's actually trying to get you to become closer to God. And the teacher, right? The teacher's the one who's going to take time to be able to stand in whatever vicinity, whatever opportunity, and teach the Word of God to you clearly to the point where you can learn something about God. So all these positions, these are God-given things. Yep. I'm telling you, it's kind of like I've heard stories about guys who try to get in one of these offices that they are not called to be in. And man... They, it's like they last for five years and then they're not doing it anymore and they're out in the world. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing. When you look at this day and age, I don't think the uh, responsibility and the importance right, or the reverence is taught enough about being a pastor. You can go to school and pay five ninety nine a semester and become a pastor. I mean, it's become light work in a sense. Anybody can do it. And that's what I'm saying. When you don't teach importance and you don't teach reverence and you don't, uh, it's like, you know, when I first uh, announced my call to preach, right, it's been like three years now, you know, I was really excited because I had a fire within me to share the gospel with everybody. I had a fire to be the guy that, you know, brought water pistols to hell and just let everybody have it, right? But it's more than that. Yeah. There's so much more to that. And it's like, you know, God calls a lot of people to evangelize. Some people have led thousands to the Lord. Some people have led five people to Lord. Some people are out on the streets preaching. Some people are seeing revival take place everywhere. And then some of them are laboring every weekend in a local body, not seeing people respond, True. pouring their hearts out, right? Yeah. So what? So that someone would be saved and that people could learn more about the gospel. And, and guys, I know I'm kind of going on a tangent with this, but it, it's like when you don't teach importance, you don't teach reverence, then everyone just can assume that they have this spiritual gift and that they can get it somehow. And it's like this, you know, the first thing that happened is I had elder men start pouring wisdom in me about what God had called me to do. And what I realized is when you identify as a messenger of God, yeah, that's not just a name tag you put on. Mm -mm. Yeah. Because here's no. the thing. The guy that's giving you a message, 
He's using you for a specific task, a specific yeah. people, and a specific moment to what? Not glorify yourself, but glorify him. Right. So here's the thing. It's like, you know, I heard a man say, a, a guy who's truly called to the office to preach or to pastor, he doesn't struggle for opportunity. Why? Because he's content in and out of season. He's always ready to go. And now it's like, you know, you guys got guys who beg for opportunity. Trying to, One guy told me one time he just needed to get his foot in the door. And I thought, brother, it ain't about that. Right. And so when you look at this office, when you look at this calling, if you don't understand that, man, you need to have reverence because God has put a holy calling on you to take care of others. Now, taking care of others, yeah, that's not something lightly. No. That I mean, you treat it wrong, right? What did Jesus say? You treat one of these little ones wrong? Yeah, you need to hang a millstone around your neck and just go ahead and drown. So it's pretty big, right? Because a pastor is going to have to answer for all the times he was obedient and he wasn't, right? Now, he's not going to have to answer for the lost soul because that person's going to have to respond, right? They're going to have to handle that result before God. But here's the thing. What if a pastor runs someone off? What if he says something hurtful? What if he misleads a congregation by his actions? He's going to have to answer for that, for him himself. But the thing that I love is when you get around a church or a generation of, it's like, you know, uh, I'm going to be in my first revival this next month. And I'm so excited. Why? Because there's a lot of older men in it. Now, I haven't sat down and went through everything with the Bible these guys. I'm sure we have a lot in common. We believe in the same Jesus Christ, the same Lord. Maybe we have different ideas. Yeah, maybe we do things a little different. But you know what I'm excited about? It's to be around some old men that know about reverence and importance of the holy calling of God on someone's life and that they're going to be able to pour into me. And you're like, Hunter, man, that sounds big. Hey, friend, a deacon's a holy calling by God that if not taken rightly, it can end wrong. A Sunday school teacher, that's a holy calling. All of these things that we've talked about, whatever spiritual gift, if God calls you to it, then that's what you need to do. But here's the thing, if God hasn't, you need to figure out where you're supposed to be because if you try to operate in something that you're not called to, you're not going to be able to produce anything. So so we're just sitting here, and while you're talking, Hunter, I'm thinking, and I'm thinking about the statement that I made about 365 days and how many of those days are I can't even recall. But yet I'm thinking back and I'm remembering specific times in my life where I'm not only spiritually, but probably also psychologically in a dark place. And God's man sitting, he, he had a family of his own. He had things he could have been doing. He had a, you know, wife and, and, and kids and a yard that needed mowing and all that stuff. But yet he would sit with me for hours, pour into me, and help me. Yep. Through some of the lowest, the, yea, though I walk through the valley, you know what I'm talking, talking about shepherds leading me beside. He 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 got down there in that dark valley with me, right. and coached me and helped me to understand God's word's true. You are going to be okay. God is bringing you to a place of refinement and place that you can be used, and because of people like that that are being willing. To be used by God, I'm, I'm appreciative, Kenny White. Love you, buddy. Hope you're listening. Shout out to you. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. So, like the shepherd, you know, the sheep. With you know, using that analogy, when it goes off into the thicket, the yeah. shepherd's got to go get them. They're yep. in there. They're there. <laughs> they got to go get them. Yep. You know, they're not going to stand from the outside and keep calling it. It's hung up. 
they got to get it out beyond. They got to get it freed from that, get them out of there. And that's the thing. So, like, when, when Hunter mentioned about, you know, missing the calling or having that, it, it is it is very sad at the time that we live in today time. It is. It's it's truly looked at as a job, career, Occup- path of choice, yeah. like an Pitch. occupation. You know, like, I'm going to... If the calling is not there, it's sad, but it's it, you're going to end up with a career-based objective. And that's the thing about it. The women that are truly called, whether their church congregation has five or has 5,000, their heart is not of anything of that of Christ. Even in, even in the gift of administration, you still have a shepherd's heart. Where if I'm putting people to do certain responsibilities through that shepherd's heart, yep. I want to make sure that you see the needs of these people as but much. you you said it if it becomes an occupation you're going to miss, miss the target yes. yeah By because it's not it, it, it's not an occupation it's not an and occupation. that's and that's just too many that are looking at it as that you know well i gotta get this education or i gotta get this no i, I truly believe that the god has all capabilities absolutely that if he's going to call you he will give you every tool and supplication that you need absolutely. to fulfill that and job it, and the point that i was trying to make even in a large church yes with a large congregation a, yep. a, a, a God-fearing pastor who is have a, a shepherd's uh, calling in his life, even in his administration, yep. still puts people and prays about who he puts in what position. position. So that those smaller groups, is as it cascades right. as it cascades down, those people yeah. are still and, getting their needs met. And it's like you know, God can use any man of any background, any skin color, anything, whether they've been to school or not. And what I love about that is, you know, God has given uh, an opportunity to, for me to be able to, to pursue my education in Bible college. But it's also one of those things that if I ever become prideful in my thinking, I know that conviction will follow because it's not about me. Right. Now, obviously, going to college uh, is a personal achievement of mine because I never thought that I would be able to do such a thing. I mean, I was the brightest thing, right, in school. And so it is a personal accomplishment. But what I look is instead of getting some business degree that I'm never going to use, God's given me an opportunity to go to Bible college and learn and share those things with people that may not. But here's the thing. I know guys that go to school so they can have opportunity. I know guys who go to school that they go just so they can get the pulpit. Mm. And that's wrong. One, you're wasting your money if that's your intent. But two, it's kind of like this. Even though, you know, school costs money and stuff, uh, you know, God's reassured, assured me through things that have had little things that have happened through my schooling of where this will disappear, right? This becomes cheaper. This does this. God takes care of his people when things are evident. But what I know is this. Take the school away. Take it all away, right? And God will still lead me thoroughly. It's like a lot of people ask, you know, what is, what's been your favorite? Well, I love the Bible classes, but here's the thing. I learned more sitting in that little office down there than I do on those eight-week classes. Why? Because when you're being led and seasoned by the Holy Spirit of God through everything that you are putting time into and praying and trying to rightly divide the Word uh, as we're instructed to, right? There's something beautiful about that. And it's like I've talked to a lot of guys that they've already completed their education and their comments are the same. I've learned more through the power of the Holy Spirit than any man ever offered me in seminary. And I'm like, amen, that's the truth. God, you know, obviously it's a good tool. But I also want to say this is like when you you need to have the right motives, but you also have to understand 
that when you look at a shepherd of a sheep flock, man, he's attentive 24-7. So he does pay attention. But he's got to make sure his head, his mind, his life, and his body is right to what produce the results that are needed. Why do you think in First and Second Timothy and Titus, Paul's instructing these young future pastors, right? What's one thing he told Timothy? Flee your youthful us, right? Don't deny the calling God's put on your life. Two things, right? And, and that's what I love is because we're reading a book that Paul is writing to young pastors. But here's the thing. If the, the shepherd is not to the point where God has... Uh, is not working on him, right, to get to the point where he is ready for service. His mind's clear. Like, he's not always studying. He's not always trying to get to the point, right, where he's ready to go. Then he's never going to be prepared to leave a, lead a flock. And here's the thing. I've never led a flock as an elder pastor, right? So a lot of this I'm saying is from wisdom that's been passed down and things I've studied on my own. But I guarantee you this. If we had a true called man of God sitting in this room... He would say a lot of things we've said. Why? Because everything that we're talking about is motivated and inspired from Scripture. Yep. And I'm telling you, there's a huge difference between men who are called and men who are not. Why? Because when you think of God's body, right? Jesus Christ's body, the feet, the hands, right? The mouthpiece. There's a lot of guys that are truly called to be the mouthpiece. The pastor. There's people called to be the hands. All, whatever you want to analogize this with. But here's the thing. You get somebody in the pulpit that's not supposed to be the mouth. You get somebody over in the other wing of the church that's not supposed to be the hand. They might do damage to the body. And I'm telling you, when we try to operate, it's like I used to serve in a ministry and God was calling me out of it. And I was like, no, I want to stay. Do you know how hard and dry it felt to try to operate in an office in an area that God didn't want me in anymore? Yeah. Oh, it was hard. I got to the point where I was like, I'm quitting. I can't. Ministry period. I'm just not called for this. And God's like, no, you are. You're just not operating where you need to be. And that's the truth. And so when we look at this spiritual gift and this calling and this description that, you know, it's clear in God's word. I mean, I think the tone we've had throughout this kind of sets the standard. It needs to be taken seriously. Absolutely. Like this isn't light work for us to talk about because this is such a sensitive thing that people are misusing in this day and age. And it's so sad that... Pride comes before the fall, right? Why do you think so many self-proclaimed pastors have stood up and then fallen? Yep. Because it's pride. It gets in the way. They're not ready for what God has called, is opening the door for, or what they're not supposed to be in. Yep. And when you talk about the fact that if we operate in our gift and we operated in the right spirit and following uh, God's leadership, and we do it humbly and we give Him honor and glory that He deserves and all the results that come from it, yeah. we honor Him, that's that's... That's attractive. That's that sweet savor. That's that uh, thing that God uh, appreciates the most because we've got our head right. We know it ain't nothing about me or how good or how talented or how skilled I am. Uh, I recognize that God's letting me play a part in it, and it humbles me, and it brings me into a position of in turn worshiping because now now i'm grateful god you just let me be a part of it i'm just i'm glad you allowed yeah. you're allowed me to participate yeah in it. and so it's it's a huge circle that when 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 you get plugged in there's no better place to be than in the very center of god's will exercising the gift that you know he's blessed you with yeah in confidence knowing that it's not about the results it's not about uh, uh the recognition you receive it's just about being a humble position of service yeah and here's the thing just like that shepherd over the sheep i'm sure he wakes up every day and he thinks what 
what do I have to do for my flock today? Mm-hmm. What's going on? Yep. What's happening? Yep. And that's like the, some advice that I got when I first got into ministry was, you've lost half your life, owner. I was like, great, that's encouraging. <laughs> but what they're saying is, you're. it's not so much about you anymore, right? You're not about what you want to do, this or this or this. Half of your life is going to be about worrying about others. Why? Because when God gives and calls someone to be a shepherd or to pastor, that is an opportunity God has given for you to do what? Pour your entire life out into other people. Now, while you do think about those people, you have to think about God more. Man, you got to keep Him exalted to the place and where He needs to be. Because if you don't keep Him there, when it comes time to take care of them sheep, you're going to stumble around, right? They might bite you in the knee, might, <laughs> might run you over. They might tear the fence down, right? So you've got to be in a place where you're ready to go. And I love this spiritual gift. And I think it's so important that we got the opportunity to talk about it today. Why? Because it needs to be talked about. Absolutely. I mean, it needs to be spread. It needs to be shared. You know, not even this specific episode. Let's say you got a man who could absolutely break down what it is to be a shepherd and a pastor. And we could send it to every pastor in the United States of America. That's something that should happen. Yep. Now, is it going to? No, because, well, we're people. But that's how important it is. Because men need to be able to listen and hear and say, yes, God's called me to this. Because if they sit there and like, well, I don't know. Or, well, he hasn't, but, you know, I'm we're doing good at the church. Sit down. Sit down. Go somewhere where you're supposed to be called. So that way you can operate in the way God's gifted you for. So, uh, guys, do you all have anything else you want to add to that? God, God bless. bless. God bless. I know I've talked a lot today, but uh, man, uh, I'm I'm pretty passionate about this one. So, uh, but we'll see you guys next week. Peace out.